Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. This is Dougie Gilmore. You're listening to Missing Curfew. Welcome back to a fresh new episode of Missing Curfew Up Dog. Monday interview editions. It's Mondays. nice to be back. Monday. Nice to be back in the studio, Freddie. Ooh, I like the studio, Mondays. Freddy. I like the Mondays that pop up. Yeah. yeah Thanks again to Tyson Nash, that beauty. Was uh, that was great. Was right great. from his living room, took time away from uh, his short game to come <laughs> come on. You know, Mental midget. I'm like, uh, he's usually the, I've said this, but he's usually a solid hair guy. You yeah, know? I look good. Nice pad. It is chill. It's chill. You see the one... Uh, the clip last week Princey put up of Shanahan just slashing him right in the face. Right in the lips. Right in the lips. That's how you do that. And then at the end of the game, Shanahan went back after him, was like pulling on his pulling on his mouth. <laughs> I was cool. like, geez. Shanahan. Yeah, oh, man. God, but, how uh, times have changed. Have they ever. Um, up dog, uh, a big one for me here today. Dougie Gilmore, a guy yeah, that I how grew you feeling? You a little nervous? Yeah, I'm or? a little nervous about uh, interviewing Dougie. I've never met this him. This is legendary. Yeah, I've never met him. I grew up a diehard Leafs fan. I had, I had two jerseys, Wendell Clark and Dougie Gilmore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is, I'm excited for this one. Uh, my old man who was here last week, um, listen, I told him we were, we were having Dougie in, in studio in 93, and I, I think even he lit up. It doesn't take a lot to get my dad kind of fired up. But, yeah. uh, you know, he's a Leafs guy through and through. You're either a Leafs fan or a Habs fan in Canada. How did he grow up a Leafs fan? Your dad being a good one. Well, Newfoundland, Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Newfoundland, you're either Leafs or you're, uh, or you're the Habs. You're not even in, you're not even close to being in the middle. You either hate or you love, right? So, um, he's a Leafs guy. I grew up obviously an Oilers fan from Alberta. Um, but nonetheless, I, I want to say my first year, um, I had a chance to lace it up with, uh, in a game against Dougie. You might. (laughs) 2002, 2003. I I have to go back. Let's look at I have to go back to the schedule because like I played nine games. Like they say in Entourage to drama. How who did, fuck, tell me who he played with. Like they, like they say to drama and Entourage. How fucking old are you? Yeah. But um, tell, tell me what team he was on in 2003. Standby. Or two. 2002-2003 was with the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. He played one game in uh, for the Leafs and got hurt. I remember uh, that. Oh, in 2002. Nobody played sixty games for the for the Habs in in, in two thousand two thousand three. I got to go back and look at the schedule because I I, I want to say like I was b- blown away. That would be blown a- away when when I saw that it was one was seeing Stevie Y, which I was you know nineteen, um, and then he, I mean yeah. you know the Lindros and fucking Messier it was pretty nuts but. And then it was, you know what, speaking of seeing this, is they, 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 picked, they picked Dougie back up from the Canadians back to Toronto. We were all fired up about it. His yeah. first game back, he fucking hurt his knee, and that was... Well, this is going to be great. I cannot wait. I'm fella. fired up, fella. Dougie Gilmore, fella. Welcome back to Mr. Curfew. Up dog, when you were growing up, who was your who was the jersey? Yeah, guy? I was an room. Alberta guy, but yeah. I was a Fort Mac kid. I wore I had the '99 jersey. Yeah, the '99. I, I like Messier. Uh, you know, I like Gretz, but yeah, I had a Gretzky jersey. Well, I had two. I, I had Wendell Clark, and I had this guy, number '93, Dougie Gilmore. <laughs> Dougie, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join a missing curfew, buddy. This is honestly uh, a humbling experience for me, buddy. I, you're my favorite player growing up, so I appreciate you taking the time. No, my pleasure, guys. Thank you. Uh, I, I want to start off first and foremost with your nickname, Killer, right? I mean, it's, it's got to be one of the best nicknames in the history of the game. The way you played, you deserved it. But first of all, Dougie, who gave it to you? And did it have anything to do with the movie Slapshot? Obviously, Killer Carlson. Uh, it did not. Okay. Um, <laughs> Brian, Brian Sutter was my roommate. He was our captain uh, for five years. And, you know, he taught me how to compete each and every night um, when he's you know, when coaches or people say, you know, don't take the game home with you. He says, take the game home with you. 
So I was 155 pound centerman. Uh, you know, I came out of junior with a lot of points, but I made the team in St. Louis as a checker. And um, I I was 155 pounds. Um, I had a mullet. And <laughs> so Brian called me Charlie. And it, it was uh, Charlie Manson. <laughs> and that's where the name changed over to Killer a little bit later. But to this day, if I see Brian, he calls me Charlie. Oh, Missing a couple teeth, long hair. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 155 pounds, had a mullet. <laughs> uh, that's good. Hey, just talk a little bit about St. Louis, Dougie. I, I played there. I finished my career there. Um, you were just a young youngster coming in with the, with the Plaguers and, you know, the history there, the Sutters. Bring a little bit about that for your first experience in the NHL. Yeah, you know what? I was in uh, in August. I didn't have a contract yet, and I was in Dusseldorf. So I was there for two weeks, and I was going to sign there. And then all this, uh, there's a uh, Harry Arnest bought the team from uh, the existing owner, Ralston Perina. And at that time, uh, Ron Caron came in, and I came back right away. I left my equipment in uh, Dusseldorf, and I had to get all new equipment. <laughs> Uh, just to get out of there in time. So it was a great experience. Uh, we had uh, Bernie Federico, Blake Dunlop, Guy Schwinnard, uh, Larry Patey, Mike Zook, and then Alain Lemieux, which is Mario's brother. So Jacques Demers was a coach, and he said, I don't care how many points you had in junior, I need a checker. And so, come on, I was 23 pro or 23 minors or uh, 65 pro. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted, uh, so I ended up, uh, getting the job and I got to play against the best players in the world each and every game. And, uh, you know, Jock Demers would say, we're playing against Edmonton. If Gretzky owes a bathroom, go with him. So I follow him all over the ice. And I think these guys might've been a little hung over that game because we were winning five, three going into third period. They woke up and they beat us like seven, five. <laughs> Welcome so, to the eighties Oilers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, they were, uh, between the first and second, like, boys, let's shake this hangover off here. Yeah. And get going here. Let's get it yeah. but, but, Doug, you mentioned as a checker when, when you grow up, when you're coming into the league, like, you obviously play with that chip on your shoulder throughout your whole career, and then eventually you turn into the score you were. But did you have to teach yourself to play with that edge, or is that something that you had in junior and growing up? Like, that little, if you fuck with me, I'm going to stick your whatever, that, that chip on your shoulder you had. Yeah, there's different components of that, guys, because, you know what, when you're a small guy, I didn't get drafted my first year. My second year, I got drafted in the seventh round. Some players on my team got, were drafted ahead of me. Guys I played against were ahead of me. So I had a chip on my shoulder. And it was, I, I think it was my second game going into my final year of junior. And I get in a fight with Mike Eagles. And I'm a lefty. So was he. I didn't know that. He, he broke my nose and cheekbone that game. And I got home. My, my brother is 13 years older than I am. He played with Daryl Settler and Dan Maloney in uh, London Knights. And he went on played six, seven years in the minors. But uh, got in the car. I was going back home to get my nose fixed. And he goes, what are you doing? You know what? Play with an edge. But you know what? You don't need to fight anybody right now. It's a, you, you, the team needs you. And so, you know what? Just go out and play your game and everything will take care of it. So and at the same time, guys, you know what? The best thing that ever happened to me, the motivation side of it was the scouts, media. Everybody said I was too small. So I just wanted to prove everybody wrong. Once I put my helmet on, your eyes spin a little bit and uh, you grow up to teach. Your eyes get a little squirrely. Yeah, I, yeah the wires cross and uh, here we go. Oh, what, honestly, when I took my helmet off, guys, half the time, you get out of the shower, you're drying your hair. is like, did I really do that today? Yeah. <laughs> but, but you, you had to. Like I, Going into a game, I never looked at um, who I was playing against as a forward. I looked at it, who I was playing against. Just say uh, Chicago. You had Marchment. You had Steve Smith. You had Chelios is going to run you every shift. You had Dave Manson. So this is what you know. I got to face and get ready to play against that night. So that was my motivation. It's just who am I playing against tonight um, on the blue line? That's a little different than the skilled guys today when they go up there. <laughs> they're, not, they're not quite sick of the same thing, Dougie, when they get up for pregame now, no. nowadays as you were, where you're like, oh, shit, Dave Manson, here we go. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And you went going into the league, like, you know, Philadelphia, Ben Wilson. And <laughs> it's like, there was a guy um, I'm, I'm looking at in Philly, standing at the kind of inside the red line, looking at their team, and there's a small guy over there. He looked like he was like 38 years old 
And Ryan Sutter steps in front of me. He goes, what are you looking at? And he goes, well, who's that guy? He goes, do not look at him. Do not go near him. It was Randy, Randy Holt. <laughs> so, I'm going to do you a goes, favor, not, kid. <laughs> yeah, do not even look at him. Yeah. So, that's beautiful. Well, we used to have guys like too, like Brian McGrath and Colton Moore and these guys. Like guys on my team, Doug, like, yeah. don't even look at them tonight. Yeah, if, them if, sleep, if they're boys. not doing anything and they're not fired up, please God, don't get them going. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna have to get my ass kicked if it does happen. But uh Dougie, we're we're big guys here on Mr. Curfew about guys that helped me and up you when we were younger. Like I always love getting guys like yourself that are legends. Like when you first came in the league, who were guys that kind of took you under your wing? Maybe out for your first dinner, first beer on the road. Is there any guys you remember that really taught you how to be a pro off the ice kind of thing? Uh, I, I go back to Brian Sutter, but uh, also um, I, I didn't play power play uh, my first three years. So Pat Hickey, um, I played um, the penalty kill with him. But I used to have like a little heel curve, right? when I came out of junior in those days, we had the wooden sticks and then we had this guy, a big Swede on our team named Jorgen Pedersen. And I played with him my first year in Wayne Babbage and, uh, Jorgen would grab my sticks. He goes, Oh, I like, <laughs> and he goes every game. He goes, Doug, I'll be hiding this lot. Feed me. Cause he's not, he's not going in the corners. No. So, but so Pat Hickey used a straight stick and he goes, try my stick. So, I went to a straight Titan at the time because you couldn't break them and nobody wanted to use a straight stick. So that's where it kind of changed on me. So uh, Bernie Federico was another guy that, uh, you know, helped me out. And uh, there's a guy that passed away many years ago, Rick Wilson, that uh, we lived about, I don't know, a mile away from each other in Kingston. And uh, he was a first round draft pick to, uh, St. Louis and he, he took care of me. So my brother-in-law sold me my car. I got my signing bonus for $10,000. And then my first car was a white Z 28 baby blue stripes on the bottom two tops. <laughs> I get to St. Louis first day. I'm staying with him and uh, get up in the morning. My speakers are gone. The T tops are gone. And it's like, I guess I got to get rid of this car. <laughs> the same, yeah, this isn't working here. This is going to get sniped in St. Louis. <laughs> yes. What was it like playing that old barn in St. Louis, right? That was the old, old one. I mean, that was a, that was a great thing about your era too, Dougie, was you yeah. guys got to play in all those old barns that had character. Well, it was, it was, uh, went from the checker dome when they made the sale to the arena. And, uh, <laughs> this is a good story. It was a great building. Uh, it was electric there. Um, it wasn't downtown. It was close to it, but it was just, a, it was a nice little area. Um, Harry Arnest owned our hockey club for three years. He bought the team off the Raw Supreme for 3 million and bought the rink for 10 million. He ended up selling it three years later for about 38 million. But so our, my third year, we're going into uh, Calgary, 86, game seven. And uh, if we win, we're going against Montreal Canadiens. And uh, we had a charter all ready to go. We lost. There was no charter. We had to find our way home. Uh, <laughs> Where's the plan? Then, <laughs> Let's just stay here get, for a bit. <laughs> you know, you get, the, you get your team bonuses from the league, but you also have your personal bonus from the team. And... Um, you know, there's Mark Hunter and different guys. We, we all left uh, St. Louis to go back to Eastern Ontario here. And uh, around mid-July, it's like, you know, it was probably about 12 grand that was bonuses for us for that year. And that's what you lived off in the summertime, right? So finally you get our check. But when you know, Zero. bounce. <laughs> bounce. <laughs> we, oh, didn't, we didn't no. get our, we didn't. This is the NHL. Yeah. We didn't get our checks until mid-August. Yeah. for uh, oh. like the 12 grand. Uh -oh. <laughs> so it, it, it was just a different time and uh, great fans. Uh, I was back there not long ago for the all-star game and uh, to see some old friends and stuff and uh, just love the city. Yeah. How are you supposed to pay off all those tabs if you flip the check yeah. bounces, right? <laughs> 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 I've been buying beers, the boys' beers all summer. I needed that yeah. 12 grand. Yeah, what, what kind of summer yeah. am I going to have with this on the lake? <laughs> Nothing. Can't even buy gas. Hey, hey, Doug, yeah. I want to ask you about moving forward to the Calgary Flames. A guy that I got to know in Nashville and up he did too a little bit was Terry Crisp. Obviously, you guys win the Stanley Cup there. It just seemed like you guys had a great group of guys there. Just maybe talk us through winning a cup that early in your career and playing with that team and how good of a coach Crisp he was. Crispy was great. He was, uh, you know, he liked to scream a little bit. <laughs> he liked to talk. <laughs> uh, he, he used to yap at us. 
in between periods. And I, I first got there. So the leadership with Lanny, you know, Paplinski, Joel Otto, Timmy Hunter, you got Al McGinnis, Gary Suter, a rookie uh, that year at Steel Flurry, oh, Gary yeah. Roberts, Neuendijk, Hawk and wow. That's like jo- Joey Mullen. The list goes on. Brad McCrimmon on the fence. And it's, uh, <clears throat> we won the President's Trophy that year by one point over Montreal. And, uh, but I'll, I'll never forget, I, I think it was my first week uh, the season started and Crispy's yelling at me in the dressing room after the, the first period. And Lanny, <laughs> Lanny just said to me, he goes, you know what? Put the earplugs in. Don't listen. <laughs> we're, we're all here to play and we know what we have as a team. So we're all going to work together. So, but Crispy was great to me, honest to God. I, I, his story that he always comes back to me, he goes, this is like, I don't know, 10 minutes to go in the game. I got two goals. He goes, if you get a hat trick in Calgary in those days, you get cowboy boots. He goes, I'll put you back out there, but I, I want the cowboy boots. So. <laughs> I said, I, I said, sure. No problem. Yeah. He's cutting deals with you on the bench already. I yeah. love it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, I wanted to just ask, uh, so that was your, that was your flames run, which is incredible. I remember that as a, as a young kid, um, last night, just to talk about recent news, Matty Kachuk goes back to Calgary for the first time, Dougie. Uh, we talked about it yesterday on the podcast about what kind of ovation he got. Well, I thought it was great. I thought the fans stood up, gave him a warm ovation. Then when he touched the puck, there was booze. You were part of one of the NHL's biggest trades, if not the biggest trade, up to Toronto. Um, any sort of comparison on like what it was like to come back to Calgary after winning a cup and, and what maybe happened in Calgary that you wanted out? Well, honestly... Uh Doug Risebrow became GM. Cliff Fletcher went to Toronto that year. Um, I had to go to arbitration. I won the arbitration. He wasn't happy about that. We're in uh, San Francisco. We're going to play the Cow Palace and uh, before uh, San Jose rink was built. And, you know, you have a joining room or joining door with somebody else. And I got up in the morning about 7 o'clock in the morning and I heard my name. I'm going to trade that asshole. I'm going to trade this guy. And so uh, seven o'clock in the morning, I'm laying on the floor listening to Doug Risebrow <laughs> on the phone back back east or west. But he's he's talking to people about trading me and other guys. So I knew it was going to happen. So New Year's Eve, we're uh, we're playing against Montreal, and we have a team party afterwards. And I had all my sticks out of the dressing room except four, and. Uh, we won. I scored, I scored the game winner that night and we had a team party. I told the guys, guys, I'm going to uh, hockey Canada, which was in Calgary at the time. I'm going to go train with them until I get traded. And, uh, I apologize to this, but, uh, you know what? Uh, my time's not going to last here. And so 24 hours later, I was traded to, uh, Toronto for five and five. And, um, again, then it, they just blew up after that. Like McGinnis left, Newendike left, Rob, Roberts was hurt. But uh, it, it was sad because we had, we felt we had a pretty good team there. As a, I'm not going to say a dynasty, but we had a chance to win each and every year. And uh, it was a real shame that uh, I left. But you know what? I came to Toronto, and uh, it was pretty exciting times. Gary Roberts was a machine, eh? Hey, Dougie, I put with Gary. <laughs> when, I, when I was in Tampa, I put with Rob. My second year in the league. I'd come in the morning, like morning robs, and his neck, Doug, he was so mangled that he'd just have to go like that. He'd be in the gym lifting weights and still wanting to fight. Like back when he was young, he was even more of a savage, wasn't he? <laughs> okay. Here's Gary and I were neighbors. And he goes, Come on, let's go for a bike ride. I said, No. <laughs> and first off, I'm a, I would do hills. I'm a runner, I'm not a biker. So finally, I said, Okay. I'm going to go with you. And he's got like a $4,000 mountain bike at the time back in 1980 or 90, 91. And I got a five speed uh, with a baby seat in the back. And so we went, we went 26 miles. And at the end of it, we're going to go up a hill and race. And I passed him. And he threw his bike down the hill. He was so pissed off. <laughs> but, but, uh, he came over to my house about, I don't know, three hours later. And I said, what do you, you want a beer or something? He's like, no. He goes, where's your basement? And it's like, oh, fuck. You got me. <laughs> so I, I had a little gym down there that I was doing my own training and doing my own running. But he was like, 
<laughs> yeah, Gary, Gary, he was a machine, man. Honestly, yeah. and to this day, he still is. Yeah, I was impressed about that stage of his career and everything he'd been with. That he was the first guy in the gym, just lifting the whole gym. Yeah. I love Robs too. He was great to me in my in my short time with him in Tampa. So, Dougie, obviously Toronto. This is where you know I started becoming a Dougie Gilmore fan. What were your first thoughts before you get there? Because not a lot of success in Toronto leading up to when you get there, right? I mean, they hadn't had great teams throughout the '80s, maybe here and there. But what were your first thoughts when you heard, "All right, here I go, Toronto Maple Leafs." Well, being from Kingston, I, you know, I was pretty excited about it being closer to home and um, there's nowhere to go, but up. And it was just a, it was a pretty good situation. I, I had a relationship with Cliff Fletcher that, you know, he's going to make some changes. Some good things going to come out of this. And, um, you know, I, I can't say enough that I had the chance to play there. And like Wendell, you know, I, I knew Wendell from the 87 Canada Cup. And uh, I, I finally told him what I did to him in the 87 Canada Cup because when he got cut, I signed his uh, leaf pants to Wendell Best Wishes to Lemieux. <laughs> and <laughs> I, he, he would ask me on the ice, oh, it wasn't me, it was Muller or Howard Chuck. Somebody else had to do that. But <laughs> So when I got there, I said, yeah, it was me. So, um, you know, he, he's, he was a, a competitor. You guys know, uh, tough as nails. Um I can go on with, with Wendell with stories, but, you know, Cliff Fletcher added a lot of different pieces, uh, Mike Foligno, Krusalinski, uh, Bob Rouse, um, the list goes on. And uh, we added Dave Anachuk that year and Darren Poopa for Grant Fuhr and Felix kind of stole the show from there. And it was just a great run. And, you know, what? I think the biggest thing with that team, with Pat Burns too, is that everybody accepted the role. There was nobody saying, okay, I want more ice time. No, whatever happens, just accept your role. And it's even when, you know, young, guy, young guys are always coming up and they're, you know, they're trying to take my job. I said, your job is to take my job. Yeah. I don't want you to do it, yeah. but good, good, you can't take my job. Luck. Well, that's your, yeah, good luck, but that's your job. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. But you want to, you want to give them the utmost, uh, you know, yeah. advantages. Like, you know what, you're better than this guy. Come on, keep going. And, uh, a friend of mine that, you know, he's with Minnesota right now, Darby Henderson. I did that with Darby. I said, Darby, you're better than what you're showing right now. Just just go keep on playing. So yeah. that's what you, you know, we're all friends. And it was, uh, you know, back in the days, no cameras and all that stuff. And yeah. it was, uh, we had our nights, uh, Monday nights at the Phoenix and uh, <laughs> Wednesday night at the Loose Moose and all that <laughs> stuff. So it's, uh, we, had, we had some good times for sure. And, uh, I always tell the story of Pat Burns. Um, when he got hired, he goes, yeah, we got a good player, Daryl Gilmore. <laughs> and so then he goes, no, I mean, Doug, sorry, I apologize. And, and then he called me up and he goes, where are you? I said, I'm downtown. Um, I, I live right beside the gardens, uh, like 30 yards away. And he goes, uh, let's go for a couple of beers. So we went for a couple of beers. We went to a place that rhymes with Gilmore's on Dundas in Toronto. And uh, it's called Fillmore's. It uh, might be a strip joint or something like that. But we were in there for about a half hour. We got noticed and then we left. But uh, he just said, I want you to be the best player of practice each and every day. And uh, everybody will follow. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you just real quick, Doug, you talk about playing in the city with no cameras, but, you know, no social media back then, this and that. Like, how was it for you walking around? Obviously, you guys had success, but did you embrace going to places and people saying, hey, Dougie, what's up? Did, did you enjoy it? Or I've always wondered that. Like, what was it like being Dougie Gilmore walking through that city back then? Uh, it was just different. You know what I mean? Like, the Blue Jays were hot, too. and yeah. it, it was just a fun time. And I looked at my balcony the one night or one day we have an open practice. It was not skills competition back day. It was just open practice. And I looked down and there's gotta be 5,000 people set around in the rink. I'm like, how in the heck am I going to get in there? So I put a ball hat on sunglasses and I put my own Jersey on and I stood in line <laughs> for about 20 minutes. And then finally, when I got close to the door, I walked in, the guy says, you can't come in here. I said, took my hat off and, I got in. So beautiful. <laughs> and then the guys were about an hour late to the, they're all outside signing autographs and they looked at me. I'm all dressed. I'm, How the hell did you get in here? I'm like, don't ask. <laughs> so I wasn't giving my secret up. Dougie, uh, my boy here sitting beside me loves to rock a black leather jacket like no one's business. 
Uh, back in the day, I saw you at uh, my draft year, 2002, or at the Indian Motorcycle Club after the draft. You had one hat on frontwards and you had another hat on backwards. You had the black leather on. I'm like, God, this guy looks, he's fucking buttoned up and looks cool. Has it always Uh, been like uh, the fashion, like, you know, the long hair and the the jackets and just kind of vibing? I I know you ride motorcycles. It's always been part of your, (laughs) part of your life. Yeah. You know what? Uh, Growing up in Kingston, we moved out to the country and a little place called Loboro Lake where Kirk Muller lives there to this day and Dan Aykroyd still. And, but we had a lot of fun back in the days there. So I grew up on some dirt bikes. And then uh, when I was in Calgary, uh, I wanted to ride a motorcycle. So I bought a hundred, 500 just to learn how to ride it. And then I went to Harley. I never had a license, by the way. <laughs> I had insurance. It was a $50 fine back in the day. So I, I'm not going to take that test. And, so yeah, I like the leather jackets. Uh, actually, I got one that's coming out really cool. There's 93 of them coming out back up here in Toronto. With the, it, it's a really cool thing, but it's a leather jacket, yes. Nice. And I I pulled into the rink and I think it was 94 or maybe 90, 95 at the start of the year, and uh, uh, I didn't know Cliff Fletcher was behind me, and uh, he more or less said get rid of the bike. Yeah. So, uh, I had to get rid of it. Doug, you parked the bike for the summer, buddy. You can't, you, yeah. can't, you can't run around Toronto with the bike, but uh, yeah, Doug, I got to ask you 93 game seven, you guys go into to, to the Joe and beat the Red Wings. To me as a Leafs fan growing up, that was kind of the moment where, Holy fuck, here we go. Maybe we got a chance. Walk me through just that day or what you remember, how big that was for the whole franchise to be like, wow, we just went in there and knocked these boys out. Okay, I just ran into a guy in Collingwood the other day. So what we're going, we had a little mini training camp in Collingwood before we fly to Detroit. At the same time, my grandfather passed away and I can't go home. So I got to stay with the team and get ready for this. And we were, our last practice, we're, Wendell and I are walking out of the rink. We're walking back up the road and there's a guy, probably about 14 years old, driving a Trans Am. And he's got a buddy in the car with him and he's, Waving at us, not paying attention, right into a telephone pole. <laughs> I saw him the other day in Collingwood. He told me this. And I started laughing. Wendell was there, too. And we were both laughing our ass off. He goes, I had five charges on that. That was my mom's car. And we just wanted to see you guys. So the motivation side of it, you know, it, uh, we lost the first two games in, in Detroit. And then my mom and dad came up to, uh, for game three. And I said, bring all my grandfather's T-shirts. So I wanted to wear those under my uniform and we won the next three games and then we got our butt kicked at home. I think it was six, two. And then, uh, we walked in Detroit for game seven and we found a way to win that. It was, uh, it was a special time. And, um, it was that, that whole run, like honestly, 21 games of 42 nights was exhausting, but, uh, it was pretty special. Yeah, it was it was special for me, Doug. I'll never forget it. And my boy, the updog here, he got he got he got Gretzky. He got the great one on our podcast a few months ago, probably three or four months ago. And I had to ask him, Doug. You had to ask him about the high stick that <laughs> Carrie Fraser missed. And I said, Wayne, like, and he said something along the lines, of, "I had a bad back, so Dougie could deal with a little cut under his eye or something." But take <laughs> yeah. me back to the high stick, Dougie. It's, I'm, I got to be honest, buddy. I'm still not over it. It still hurts. Um, but just walk me through all that situation. Okay, so um, it's uh, Don Anderson just took a penalty and we're killing a penalty last, I think maybe a minute to go in the in a third period, and um, it was just just off the draw, and he came up underneath. Uh, Kerry Fraser said it was a follow through, but it wasn't. He came up underneath me, hit me in the chin, and you know what? You just can't blame Kerry on this one referee. There's two linesmen out there, but if the linesman call it's five minute game misconduct. Well, that's that would have been a riot in LA at the old <laughs> yeah. forum there. So, you know, I, I kind of blame the linesman too. Just say, Kerry, just say you saw it, give him a two minute penalty, and they're going to play four on four. And again, going into game seven, you tell me it's like going into training camp, you give me game seven at home, I'll take those yeah, odds. Yeah. And, Unfortunately, Bob McKenzie wrote an article with the Toronto Star saying that Gretzky hasn't done anything in the series. That's uh, not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, way to go, Bob. I, didn't, on, I Bob. didn't know that. Yeah. Way to go, no, Bob. Yeah. See, that's the insider uh, we're looking Doug, for. Yeah, I didn't know that. Way to yeah. get oh, yeah. fired up. He did, then he has one of his best games of his life. Of his and life it's like, yeah. He's the best player in the world, man. And yeah. like, I copycatted. I played against him. I checked against him. 
Uh, I learned how to play behind the net. And again, it's like you always tell kids, and I know it's hard sometimes, but even the kids that when I was coaching in junior, I said, guys, watch the NHL guys. Have your favorite player and watch what he does. And you can learn from that and come come into practice and challenge it and practice it. And that's how you get better. Yeah. Agreed. Speaking about behind the net, one of my favorite Dougie Gilmore goals ever was against Cujo. That was playoffs too, right, Dougie, where you did about six turnarounds behind the net there, and Cujo didn't know what was going on, but you don't see that much. Well, yeah, it was it was just a great goal, like character, classy goal. Well, you know what, again, I've never practiced that, and, you know, people, it's like, could you do it? Not a chance. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things, guys, that I was behind there. I'm looking. Nikki Borshevsky was high in the slot and Andrew Chuck is a, the big body that I'm looking for. And I, I went this way, I went that way, I went back this way. And you know what? Andy had Zombo blocked and I just spun around and, and luckily I, it went in. And again, Kujo made, I think, 80-something saves that game. Yeah. It was double overtime. And the nice thing about it was like, I didn't have to practice the next day. It was awesome. It was just, <laughs> it, it was a rest day. But True. After the game was over, we'd I'd lie on the trainer's table, and both arms out, and they put IV in me, and I'd go home like I didn't even play. Yeah. So it, it's it was a special time, and you know I thank the doctors. Otherwise, again, again, twenty one games and forty two nights, and you're going to the West Coast, and then the next year, ninety three, ninety four season, we lost to Vancouver. And they went uh, two games at home, three games in Vancouver, then two games at home. And um, we lost first or second one. And then uh, we lost three there. So it was a, it was a, a great run those two years. And then we traded our captain and, and I know we got mats and everything else, but uh, I was a lot of heart and soul in that dressing room. Cause I'll tell you a story that 94 series we're playing Vancouver and Gino Ojek's over all over me every shift. And uh, Wendell skates by Pavel Bray by the face-off, says, Pavel, if Gino touches Doug one more time, we're going to knock you out. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, that yeah. I didn't see Gino the rest of the game. Yeah. That's the way to do That's it. That's why you need a Wendell Clark yeah, on your team. The there's only one Wendell Clark. Yeah, but go after the star yeah. player. I know, saying, hey, exactly. I'm going to knock you out. Like, yeah. Okay. It, yeah. it happened in our, in our era a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, there was that respect factor. Especially come but, playoff time. I, I would yeah. and, you know, I was no one to yeah. park, but I would go to the top players, but hey, he keeps fucking around with the yeah. Sidians. I'm coming after you, Taves, or whoever it was yeah. throughout my time, yeah. you know, like. Um, oh, exactly. Yeah, Dougie, you talk about the IVs, like, that old Maple Leaf Gardens, it would get hot and steamy in there in the playoffs, right? So I'm sure you were probably after the game, you're like, first of all, give me a cold beer and I'll take those fucking IVs. I remember going, well, I, I was sweating a t-shirt. Well, again, we had pajamas in those days. We didn't have, <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you change your underwear every period. Yeah. It's like you're, you're soaking wet and, you know, our, our skates are soaking wet. I'd have two pairs of skates. They'd change all the time, try to dry the old dows. And it was just, uh, yeah, it, it was horrible sometimes. It was, it was so hot in there. And if anytime you start getting dehydrated, trainers come over and give you salt tablets and drink some uh, water with it. Hopefully you survive. Did you love that barn though, Dougie? I never got a chance to play in it, but did you, I mean, go into it as a kid, but it was special, right? It just had that feel and that smell and that's the blue seats are right here on top of the net. Like <laughs> lucky someone didn't get killed by a puck to be honest with you back in the day. No, oh, oh, big time, oh, yeah. big time. And it was, it was a really cool arena. And even, you know, at the one, our bench, there was a stool and people are going by. Yeah. Okay. You're on a stool. They're going by in between the bench and you with beers, and they're spilling beers on you as they're going through. So, <laughs> oh, that's right. They, they have some respect. Either bring me one or stop spilling it on yeah. me. <laughs> they, yeah. walk behind, you know, they walk behind you, boys. That's right, right? They walk behind you? Yeah, that's so right. The bench is there. They yeah. walk behind us, but there was one stool on the right-hand side that you're, you're sitting back. So if you just came off, you're not getting back on for a couple shifts. You're going to sit on that stool. People are walking by. There's no... It doesn't matter stoppage of play or not. They're walking by, so <laughs> have to, and, and they're right behind you, so you can hear everything they say. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's just different times, and you know the electric buildings of back in the '80s when I broke in. Uh, obviously, Chicago Stadium was one of the more unique ones, and you always had your shoes and your underwear, and socks. You put your shoes up top because if you left them on the ground, the cockroaches would be in there. It's uh, it was brutal. So uh, 
just it, it was it was so much fun, guys. It, it's just different times. Um, but I, I can honestly say there's so much respect too, because if you did something wrong, it's, it's payback time. And, uh, so you, you try not to do something that is, uh, going to cost your team. And, and again, other people getting hurt by a bench player brawl, whatever. So. Dougie, talk about we're Canadian kids here. We love the Rock'em Sock'ems. We much respect for Don Cherry. He loved you, you know, kissing you on the forehead and uh, coach's corner yeah, and all that, that, that good stuff. Yeah. Um, what it mean, like, you know, being part of being in Toronto with him during, you know, him and Ron McLean's, you know, era. What was that like? Okay, I'm going to go back. He's from Kingston, Ontario. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, Kingston guys are Boston fans. Uh, we had Wayne Cashman and we had Rick Smith that played on the team. Mud. Uh, Grapes actually coached my brother in Rochester, Americans. Um, so he, again, he uh, went to school with my parents. So it was kind of a little bias of the Kingston guys. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but uh, no, he, like when we won the cup in 89, I had to shake his hand before every game in the playoffs. And if, if I, if I didn't shake his hand, we lost. So I, I look for him uh, all the time and uh, a great man. Um, I got nothing but great things to say about him. I, I've known the family. His brother, Dick Cherry, was one of my scouts in uh, um, Kingston. And Dick played, you know, with Philadelphia as well. And so Don was just a great supporter. And uh, again, for I'd say everybody in hockey with with the old school hockey mentality. And and if you, if you know Don off the off camera that's not him yeah. but that's his job to act the way he does and come across and come on everybody shut the tv off after or sorry the music at a bar after the first period to wait for coach's corner to come on and see what he's going to do so yeah. uh well missed and uh just a great person yeah he's, he's the best and you know after my second year in vancouver after game one in chicago we we kicked the shit out of him and, and i saw uh, grapes and Ron there and my uncle Dennis O'Brien played for grapes in Boston for a little bit so I got my dad my uncle um, Danny Gabbo I said boys let's go in here went in talked to grapes took a picture with them I mean it was just like you said like off camera he was a completely different guy but on camera he was the best too I don't care what you say Dougie you turn on Sportsnet now and watch a game you still miss Coach's Corner he, he yeah. brought something so great that was yeah. so pure that um, I mean listen my first when I first got on Coach's Corner Dougie I got a text from my boys from Port Hope Coburg Ontario and they said Fuck Gobes, you're on Coach's Corner. I felt like I was in the NHL from that moment on. It, it's amazing, right? You get the towel. Yeah, something yeah, that, yeah. Uh, you, you had that opportunity to go on. And again, uh, I for, for me, just knowing him for a long time. And we were playing in Minnesota, uh, St. Louis. I think it's my third year. And it was, it was a three out of five series, first round. We're in Minnesota, game five. And he said to me, it's a hockey night in Canada game. He said, you know what? If you want to be on TV, do something tonight. So <laughs> I actually had a goal and three assists that night. And I, first time on Hockey Night in Canada. So uh, just a, a great motivator. And again, just a legend. Yeah, yeah he, he well is. And obviously, we, you brought up Kingston. And I played my junior hockey team, Kingston Frontenacs. You're a good Kingston boy. And uh, a guy, Larry Maverty. I'll tell you what, Dougie, without Larry Maverty, I may not have played one game pro because I wasn't the most conditioned athlete. And I go into Kingston and I go, uh, Mav, like, he's like, you got anything to say, kid? I said, is there going to be any, you know, running testing at the training camp? He goes, I never seen anyone run across the ice, kid. You'll be okay. So for, <laughs> for, for me, he was my perfect yeah. coach. Just tell me, we lost him a couple years ago, but what Mav meant to you. And, you know, I love that you went back and was coaching GM at Kingston, Dougie, as an as alumni guy. It meant a lot seeing you go back. But Mav was a beauty, wasn't he? He was. So I'm with the Toronto Marlies as assistant coach of Greg Gilbert. And uh, November, I get a call from uh, – Springers and uh, Mav. It's like, hey kid, you gotta, you gotta come join us here. And it's like, oh, I just took the job here, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm a month into it, and so you know, I, my parents, the best thing I ever did was to go back there, not for the hockey uh, side of it, but to, to be with my parents before they passed on and stuff. So he, uh, so again, Mav had me in Belleville, uh, tier two, the Bulls, and. Um, he, I was with the Toronto, uh, sorry, Kingston um, Voyagers, and as a defenseman, I was playing about five minutes a game, and so I'm I'm going to go back to major midget. I got my release, Mav calls, and I go up a level, so I go to tier two, 
and it was uh, again just something special. And uh, game three against Aurora Tigers, I got in a second fight against this uh, Rick Morocco guy, and it's like, "Well, kid, I don't know if you're playing tomorrow." <laughs> I said, "Well, why not? Why am I not playing?" He goes, "It's going to cost fifty bucks to get you back." <laughs> and like, <laughs> so obviously. I think that's what I might have been making. I said, I'll pay it. And uh, then with game seven, it was just, uh, they had a coach over there with a fur coat on. I think his name was Ted Tobias in Aurora. And they brought the Stan Adams guy up from, you know, the Rangers organization. And six seconds of the game, we had three guys from Chicago and they were crazy. And uh, it was a, yeah, bench clearing brawl. It, you know, it, obviously it doesn't happen anymore, but it was something that was surreal. And like, I'm 17 years old going, what the hell? Yeah, or 16, yeah. turn 17, what the hell's going on here? So, <laughs> but is uh, back to Mav, uh, love him. He's uh, just a great person. And, uh, um, you know what? He's helped me out with my career. And just as you said, you, you know him, you play for this guy, he's going to get, he's going to reward you. Yeah. I- I swear to God, from Kingston to Belleville, Dougie, he must have smoked 15 cigarettes from from, from, from Kingston to Belleville. I was my rookie year. I was sitting in the front of the bus. I'm like, this guy's going to smoke 12 darts. It's 47 minutes, Dougie, down the 401. Oh, yeah. Poor Matt. Like, towards the end, he wasn't smoking or anything like that. So I'm coaching, and he's a GM still. And it's like, you know what? OHL Cup's on. Let me go watch one game, and I'll be back for our game time. He goes, okay. Well, I'll run practice then. So <laughs> he's out on the ice. He's standing in the middle of the ice, and doesn't he get hit and breaks his hip? Oh, like just be on the boards. He's, he's sixty-eight years old. He doesn't be, have to be in the middle of the ice. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but he he just a survivor man. He was a great guy, and his uh, uh, wife Brenda. She still works in Kingston and um, runs the tickets and all that stuff. So. He's uh, well missed, man. Yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't have been without Map. So well said there. Uh, well, that's a, Marty McSorley would say the same thing. Dougie, I've been to Kingston one time. It was uh, it was roughly probably five years ago. I went to see uh, a tragically hip show. It was the last one they did. Um, Gord Downey, God rest his soul. We're big big tragically hip guys here. Uh, you got any good stories about you know the days of Gordy? I was there with Kirk Muller actually. I smoked a cigar with Dan Aykroyd, which was amazing. Yeah, nice. I loved I loved it. Um, I went into the show. I had a, you know, I think every Canadian remembers that concert. It was it was played in CBC, coast to coast. But uh, any good stories of Gordy back in the day? He was uh, he's a legend. Well, yeah, no, we got to know all these guys uh, growing up in Kingston. I was a year older than them, and um, I was at the last concert as well. But uh, so I came back from my, I think it was my second year, and uh, from St. Louis, and so. Uh, Robbie Baker's dad uh, is a judge. So we're at a golf tournament, see Judge Baker and say, Hey, how's Robbie doing? Robbie and I played lacrosse against each other, or sorry, on the same team with each other. And yeah, he's uh, doing well. He's with this band called the Tragically Hip. And I said, Okay, I'll look out for him. I'm, I'm in St. Louis. You're, you're not going to hear these guys, yeah. you know, <laughs> two years into it from uh, Canada. And then again, I, I don't have any stories on these guys, but just great guys. And um, again, uh, you know, there's three of them that are still in Kingston that uh, that are awesome, awesome yeah. guys, and you know, support the Frontenacs as well. And but uh, legends, guys. Obviously, anytime at last concert, especially like it was just so we we were invited to go back and see them all. I said it's, it's not. It's not our time, guys. Yeah. Let them enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, so it's just uh, just a great band. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, me, me and Updog will pump some tragically hip on the golf course out here, Dougie. And the boys will be like, who's that, fellas? We're like, fuck, greatest Canadian band ever. But for whatever reason, <laughs> they never made her down south. But you just think of hockey, you think of the tragically hip for sure. So, um, Dougie, last, first of all, man, thanks a lot for taking the time. Let's, let's talk about the Leafs real quick here before we let you go. A lot of pressure on the boys. They're snapping around right now. Marner's got a 17-game point streak, but we all know it's going to come to playoff time. Uh, what do you think of the squad? What would be your advice to maybe some of the stars there uh, about moving forward here this year for them? Well, again, it's it's a long season, as you guys know. and it's uh, You're going to have ups and downs. And, you know, the first 10 games, the fans here weren't too happy with them. And now it's kind of changed around again. And so it's uh, – 
you know, they got great offense. Um, you look how well they're playing right now defensively with three guys out. And it's something that that's the commitment that you're going to need. And especially in the playoffs, you know what? Everybody's got to hit somebody. Yeah. Everybody's got to compete. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. And you know, it, it, you guys play the game, but my thing was if somebody hits me, I'm going to hit them back <laughs> at some, at, at some point in time. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they knew that I'm coming back. And so that way you get, you're making more room for yourself. Like exactly. I'll, I'll never forget like anybody that said hi to me during a game, whether it's a forward, whatever, that means they don't want to compete against me tonight. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I, I like this. He said hi to me. Yeah. You yeah, yeah, well like you tipped your hand, you fucker. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You shouldn't have tipped your hand. Cause I'm going to two hands you on the laces. Yeah, these pocket Kings are oh, going to crush you. <laughs> no, my biggest thing was especially defense when, when they run me and they take off and I'm behind them. I'm going right after the calf. It's going to shut down <laughs> the third period. <laughs> So this sure was going to feel good over that puppy. Right? You know, it, uh, believe me, it, uh, it, it slowly, uh, it slowly hurts. Yeah. Uh, you get a little bit slower as the game goes on and, and I'm going to find a way to beat you. But it, again, guys, it, it's a game that you have to beat, you love. And uh, you know what? If they get past the first round, who knows what could happen? That's yeah. my, my call on it. Cause they've had the chances and uh, unfortunately it hasn't worked out. Yeah, and Dougie, that's why I would love you because you would two hands someone on the calf. And I will say this, Dougie, I'm looking at a picture here from '93. If Mitch Marner looks like you do in this picture here, I guarantee they get. The <laughs> I will guarantee right. they get past the first <laughs> yeah. fucking round, Dougie. If he looks like this, you got the chin strap down with a cut over your eye. They will get past the first round. So, in my yeah, opinion, and, and that's the other rule that uh, pretty much as I left the game is a two finger rule. I know because I think I had a five finger rule. <laughs> yeah. You were the yeah. reason I wore my chin strap down like that. I would, I would always love it just down like that. And then when I played like two fingers, I'm like, fuck that. Gilbert didn't have to do the two fingers, boys. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, Dougie, you're great for the game, man. Thank you. Yeah, you're Dougie, right. thank this you for buddy. I, I appreciate it, buddy. And like I said, uh, you're one of my favorites, you and Wendell growing up. So thank you for taking the time. And uh, you're a legend, my man. Pleasure, guys, and continued success. Fella. Up dog, that was. Uh, what do you think? I, I, I had my, I had my, uh, I had my super fan shirt on a little bit. I was a little bit. You of a did, super but you fan. did great. I thought I was it, sweating. I mean, my ear things are sweating more than normal. I was I a little say, nervous. I thought you were uh, top of your game. I was excited for your interview game. You were excited. Um, You're looking at one of your legends, right? Yeah, I felt like the kid from 38 Highland Drive. I actually text my buddy, shout out to Jason Craig, Craig, who grew up beside me, was like the brother I never had. We were huge Leaf fans. I said, buddy, I got Dougie G coming on today. I think the fans, uh, if you're listening and it's on your pod, just tune in to see Obi how fired up he was on YouTube. (laughs) Just do you want to watch this one? This was a good one. And and some great questions by you. The hip question was awesome. Um, The trade, you know, from him from Calgary to Toronto is a great question. And then the one about the leather jacket. I had the leather. That was I, I had that. Listen, when I my draft year, I went out the night of the draft. Uh, I had a couple of buddies of mine in town and we went, you know, it was in Toronto and walk into this club and I it might even have been Dougie going, hey, get in here, kid. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> fucking Dougie Gilmore. And he had the one hat on frontwards, one backwards. I mean, I could do this with the missing curfew, things like this. He was like this in the bar. It was oh, awesome. Man. And I'm like, Dougie Gilmore is an absolute beauty. And he had the black leather jacket on. Everyone, I mean, fan favorite, obviously. You know, everyone was fucking loving him. But um, I always admired, like, the motorcycle thing. I, my dad drove a motorcycle when I was a kid. And he talked about not having a license. I've had a, motor- I've had a motorcycle since I was 21. I still don't. Uh, I had someone, you know forge my driver's license to give me a motorcycle license on it they did the a whatever it gives yeah. you your motorcycle license so like dougie gilmore i don't have my motorcycle license <laughs> um but i walked into my first training camp and had uh, basically a biker gang in nashville billy holder was probably leading the pack <laughs> billy holder you, you know what billy holder looks <laughs> like funny. look at the handlebars and billy holder he's it was i got all a, time i'll pull him up here. scott walker thomas focoon um hartnell did not have one but Kale Hulse had a bike. It was like, there was like six guys showed up to practice in Nashville on motorcycles. This Billy Holder looks like he fucking deserves to be on a Harley. He's got the yeah. handlebars. You know what? It's funny. Trotsy sometimes if you go to me, like, oh, but you know who you remind me of? Billy, Billy Holder. Holder. Billy Holder. And I'm like, who the fuck is Billy Holder? Yeah, and like, funny. he looks like an absolute beauty, but I got to be honest, he doesn't look like he was probably the fleetest of foot out there, but 
He looks like a glue guy. Was he a glue guy? He was. He was a glue guy. Yeah. I mean, this was the you know fourth year of the Nashville Predators. So I think he was given a spot on the team because they didn't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Billy. But Sorry, Billy. But God, you're a beauty. No, Look at those handlebars. He's a good, good player. Good player. Good yeah, guy. up dog. So thanks a lot, man. Thanks again to Dougie Gilmore. Unbelievable guy. Um, yeah, that was a great interview, buddy. So, great interview, and uh, it's, you know, nice to see him. The, the game was so great to Dougie Gilmore, and he and he was so great for the game, right? So yeah. it was nice that he's uh, uh, took his time to share some of his stories. Here he's a big prankster. That yeah. Claude Lemieux signing Claude Lemieux's pants. Uh, Wend- Wendell's, yeah. Wendell's pants. Yeah. And then he's like, I got traded. He's like, I told him right away, hey, Wendell, that was me, buddy. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, legend. Yeah, so. so thanks again to Dougie. Updog, you're a beauty. Max and Banger, thank you. That was Missing Curfew. Foul. Fellas. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.